Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents. If you feel depressed and if you feel anxious and you feel confused, you know what? Welcome to the club. Gazpacho police. Oh my God. What a stupid son of a bitch. He believes that it's a woman's right, it's a woman's body, and it's her choice. The Betches Sup Podcast. Sayonara, sucker. Hello, everyone. It's Amanda. I hope you are enjoying your July 4th weekend, despite our country's conflicting messages on how much freedom we actually have. If you're a Daily Sup listener, you may have already heard the episode we're publishing in today's feed, but we thought it was worth publishing again for you to hear in case you missed it or if you're a new listener. So in May, after the Supreme Court's draft decision on Roe leaked, we sat down with two women named Eileen Smith and Diane Stevens. They worked to provide abortion access for women in Chicago when the procedure was illegal prior to the Supreme Court's decision on Roe. They know what this world looks like. We talked to them about how the world of illegal abortion will look different in 2022 than it did in 1972 and how it will look eerily the same. They're also the subjects of the documentary, The Janes, on HBO. We also got an opportunity to talk to the filmmakers in this interview, and I really urge you to watch that. We'll be back with daily episodes tomorrow. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. Welcome to the Betches Up podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. Today, I'm so thrilled to be here with an incredible group of women. I am here with Tia Lesson, Emma Pildes, Eileen Smith, and Diane Stevens. They are the filmmakers and the subject of The Janes, a documentary premiering on HBO Max that tells the story of a group of Chicago women who helped others navigate the illegal abortion world by providing counseling, information, financial assistance, and abortion services to an estimated 11,000 women in the late 1960s and early 1970s. I am really like starstruck right now because after watching the documentary, that was my Marvel movie. You guys are my Avengers. <laughs> it was really incredible and moving. I feel like you got you guys should make the next uh next they should Marvel should call you guys next. <laughs> We're ready. I think HBO should create some Jane action figures. Oh, I do like Definitely. that. Definitely. Good costume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, we'll just jump right in. We are speaking a few weeks after a draft opinion leaked from the Supreme Court is suggesting that five of the nine justices are prepared to completely overturn Roe versus Wade, the precedent protecting a woman's right to an abortion. So we're actually talking on Monday after cities across the nation held rallies in support of abortion rights. So I want to point it to uh, to Diane and Eileen first. Um it's a pretty obvious and candid question, but did you ever think we would be back here in a moment like this? I don't really think, I don't think so. I didn't think it would be so dramatic. I mean, it was just like things were being eaten away and worked around, but I, I didn't think it would be so dramatic. Although once it happened, you're like, well, of course. I didn't expect it, mm -hmm. but I, looking at it, I can see how the um, anti-abortion forces really played the long game of working to put their people in positions of power. Um, they were really smart and devious and awful. And I am so sad and outraged that this has happened. Yeah. 
I feel like smart, devious, and awful could be their tagline. I mean, there's no better way to put it than that. So to the filmmakers, I mean, this film is obviously incredibly timely. There have been efforts to nudge the Supreme Court towards a position, as you mentioned, to overturn abortion rights that are really materializing now. Um, but I'm, I'm really curious how that timeline matched up to the making of this film. So I'd love to sort of go to the origins. Um, why did you want to highlight the story of the Janes and the service uh, right now or when you decided to make the film? What moved you to, to start then? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a family connection to the story. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so Daniel Arcana, who's one of the other producers on the on the film, and also my brother, um, felt like once Trump got into office and and started to um, pack the courts, that it was time to see what we could do to get this film made. Um, I think you know he saw what we were all seeing. Um, of you know he smelled smoke. Mm-hmm. So, um, so he started to develop it and we developed, then we developed it together and asked Tia if she would like to be involved and HBO came in very early with a lot of wonderful support. Um, so, you know, uh, the timing, I mean, I don't know that we could have predicted this, Mm -hmm. this timing, you know, the film is coming out on HBO on June 8th Mm -hmm. and, um, and we may or may not have Roe still in place at that point. So it, the timing is remarkable, but it, it's, it's, you know, it's not that stunning if you were paying attention. And, you know, they started to eat away at Roe just a couple of years. You know, the Hyde Amendment came down three years after. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's been a slow chipping away for 50 years. Um, and has come to a head in the last couple. And um, T and I are just very um, humbled to be able to tell these women's story and hope that it does something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the the outcome of Roe versus Wade, it, it feels like it is a, it's a really triumphant moment in the film and it comes sort of towards, towards the end of, of the film. I'm really curious what it was like for people to re-experience that, re-experience that moment and that victory, knowing that that hard-won victory was potentially in peril. Was that a really emotional process? We've, we've screened it a couple times, twice, I guess, since the leak. And I, I will say watching those, those final minutes of the film after the leak um, hits, it, hits a bit differently. Mm-hmm. Mm. Diane and Eileen, how about you? What was it like to revisit that, knowing that 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 huge victory was maybe going to be revisited? Awful. Yeah. I like a gut punch. Just like Mm -hmm. the door slam. You're like, are you kidding me? You almost can't believe it. Um, Yeah. And were you two of the seven that were arrested? (laughs) I was arrested. You were. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Do you still remember? I have to ask if you remember the tastes of the note cards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were chewing on those note cards. And there's a yeah, there's a part in the film where there is sort of like a bust and to protect you provided lots of services for women seeking abortion. I mean, really just like 360, whatever they needed. It really throws into relief how many people are kind of necessary to make this a, a 
a safe experience for for a woman, but there is a point where you're getting arrested. And and I read that you were eating the cards, but it was most important to eat the names and addresses. So you didn't have to eat all of them, just the names and addresses. <laughs> well, we didn't want we didn't want any potential people, you know, any woman to have any repercussions from the arrests. Um, when when the police came in. You know, I was at the door. The police came in pretty forcefully, and I went to the the living room where the women were wait, actually waiting to have their abortions. And I said, rather redundantly, um, "This is the police. These are the police, and you've done nothing wrong. And uh, you know, you and do not talk. You do not have to talk to them." Mm-hmm. Yeah, amazing. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you are searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone on any occasion. Now it's easier to find gifts made by independent sellers for all of the people in your life, like the pickleballers, I know plenty of those, the jazz fan, the artist, the pasta lover, whatever niche interest they have, you can find an incredible gift on Etsy. From 90s nostalgia and mixology to reality TV and gaming, there is something for everyone. There is so much pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas specifically for my dad, but my dad loves flying. He loves airplanes. He loves aviation, and he never gets sick of a cute little gift that has a reference to that. And the inventory for that on Etsy is incredible. I hope my dad lives for 200 years because I can get him a birthday present related to aviation or planes from Etsy for every single one of them, if not hundreds and hundreds of years more. There really is that much. A gifting moment is always around the corner, but whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you, Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. I'm Betch's co-founder, Jordana Abraham, and this episode is brought to you by Instacart. Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on, while she's sneezing, coughing, aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us, trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues to tea to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker of yours. The period represents a time when abortion was illegal, and you all have really deeply personal reasons for deciding to join the service and helping women access this safely, more humanely, with whatever support uh, they could have. And again, anytime I say this, I can't believe I'm saying it, but we are likely about to enter a period where it is again outlawed in large reasons of the country. I think a lot of us who, you know, weren't alive during that period are learning how to reference that time in our activism in a way that is really productive while also acknowledging that, you know, there are also some new options now like the abortion pill and medication abortions. So I'm just really curious, how will the world of illegal abortion look different in 2022 from how it did around 1972? And how do you think it'll look the same? Yeah, I think there's some big differences. The the abortion pill is a big one. Um, the internet is a big one. Mm-hmm. 
a really big one. Yeah, I kept thinking how the internet could have made a lot of you guys' work a lot more seamless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, cer- certainly it helps as an organizing tool, as we've seen, you know, in a, in a lot of in a lot of resistance movements, or you know. So I, I think there's a lot of way, big ways, big ways that are that are different. Some of the things that are going to be the same, though, is the state by state thing is going. It's going to it's going to be the same. It's going to be low-income women, women of color, rural women, women that don't have access to, to cars, women that need childcare, women in, you know, strained, abusive relationships. Those are going to be the women that are going to suffer the most. That's not going to be any different if we're making women travel for basic health care. So I, it's there's parts of this film um, that, you know, I think in the same way that that watching those last moments of the re- relief on the women's faces in our film when when Roe passed and, and talking about that, it, it's hard to watch. It's hard to watch knowing that, um, you know, some of the things that happen then are going to happen the exact same way. And there's going to be a lot of a, a lot of casualties. I think one thing that's that's so much worse now is that you see much more bullying of women, shaming of women, women being criminalized for maybe a miscarriage. Oh. I think it's way worse in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something that's so harsh and so horrible. The victimization, especially as, you know, Emma was saying, these young women, women of color, women without financial resources, the way they're shamed. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Internet is a double-edged sword because while we can get, you know, information um, and we can use our mobile phones to, you know, call networks, you know, to enable us to find abortion care, um, that all that information can be collected, can be, you know, subject to police warrant. And, you know, law enforcement agencies can can track us down, can look for anybody who's searched for the word abortion pill. Um, and, you know, cast a very wide net. They can also um, geolocate folks who have been in the vicinity of an abortion care facility or, or inside a facility. So there's, you know, potential for surveillance that far, you know, exceeds the kind of red squad surveillance that we document in the film that the Chicago police squad was using. I mean, in that time they were using index cards, you know, this, so this technology can both you know, help people find care, but it also can potentially make them subject to prosecution and imprisonment. As I, yeah, there's, there's a point in the film where I, there's a gentleman just talking about even just how the, like how many flights were, were organized. And I mean, we were recently talking to somebody at Planned Parenthood who, who said that's going to be, that's something they're already focusing on yeah. is figuring out how to tell people which airports are actually most accessible from which cities, you know, like the might, might be a shorter flight here, but you don't have to take as long of an Uber here. And those are just factors that like when you're already ending a pregnancy, there are lots of, I, I, not everybody experiences the same emotions around it, but some of them, it's like the last thing you want to do is book a hotel and, and, and book travel. Well, just there's that element to it. It's the last thing you want to do, but it's it's so unjust. Of course, it's, it's healthcare. You can't dole out healthcare that way. It shouldn't mm-hmm. be based on you know where you are and whether you can travel or not. So that's the thing where it just fills me with rage. Is just the injustice of 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 that and of of, of supplying healthcare in that basic yeah, yeah. healthcare in that way. And that was another sort of 
contrast I wanted to maybe make to the times that Diana and Eileen were operating because it seemed like people knew that you were operating and providing the service, which was illegal at the time, long before the, the bust sort of happened. And I think with as a lot of these laws kind of come up and go into effect, it seems like we're going to be relying a lot on just if prosecutors go after it or if people bother to, you know, end up pursuing these like bounty law cases. So I'm curious, you know, Diane, you spoke to how kind of the, the cultural environment is a little bit different with a lot of targeting and criminalization of women. But do you think the political context is also different now? Do you do you think that are you concerned about kind of community members being more eager to you know, report their neighbors for obtaining abortion than before? I'm I'm worried about that. Yes, I am worried about it. Yeah. You know, first the Texas law, and then I think Oklahoma is going to fall into place with similar yeah. law. I mean, we saw that woman that was uh, um, jailed uh, in Texas mm-hmm. uh, because of uh, being seeking medical care for a miscarriage. Um, and then if there's a financial incentive... And they, these people are right. they're horrible and they're ruthless and they really don't seem to care about if a woman has children that uh, are already in the home that she's not going to be able to care for. It, it's really mm-hmm. sick. I mean, I can't. It's so unconscionable. It seems like a much meaner time. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, abortion back then, I mean, some people would get really upset, but there was a very benign feeling about it in general. Um, and I mean, just like they really didn't even want to do that bust, you know, in the movie. They, mm-hmm, they, they, yeah. Oh, oh, wait a minute, you know, but there was more of we're, we're right now. And a lot of it's because of the political divide and what's happened during the pandemic and when, when Trump was in. It, it, there just seems to be a meanness that wasn't there before. And it's evil. It's they're They're talking about, you know, the, the new frontier is putting laws in place that not only govern your behavior within a state, but we'll prosecute people when they go across straight lines and potentially international lines. Um, or right. if they get an abortion pill in another state and then, you know, fit, you know, have the miscarriage back at home. I mean, it's, it's like, just, it's, it's dystopian. It's handmaid's tale, right. you know, right. fiction, but it's happening and it's happening now. It seems like when you were operating, there were, I mean, now when we talk about, you know, abortion bans, like we do recognize that it is low income women who will suffer the most. It seems like when you guys were operating, it it seems like you, were you providing the service for people who were higher income and were members of like, had an influence on society? Do you think that those, that people are just more separate now, that people that are in power and aren't speaking up about this just don't feel like they will be personally impacted? Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yes, you're right that uh, women that have, you know, are in a better situation that have access to maybe a friendly doctor that can help them or, mm. you know, financial resources to leave the country, you know, certainly they've always, you know, had more options than poor women. I don't know. That's good were you surprised to hear, because I I've, that, you know, after the Texas law, I think there was a lot of questions like, what's going to happen? Will doctors, will providers actually stop? And and based on data analysis, it appears that they have and abortion rates are, are really down there. Did you expect that? Or did you think that people would just continue with defiance? Or, or were you expecting there to be just like the abortion rates to completely go down? I expected it to go down. Who I, I yeah. wouldn't have the money to keep going. 
I mean, you'd have to have mm-hmm. money. You'd have to have the ability to withstand a lot of bullshit and be strong. But financially, how you, you'd need protection. You'd need to have somebody say, hey, we'll go ahead and sue under this thing. Because otherwise, they're just going to close you down. And there mm-hmm. was, there was yeah. you know, nobody came forward with the money to continue this. So it, no, I wasn't surprised. I thought that that would happen. It amounts to for, forced childbirth. Oh, exactly. Oh, absolutely. Right. Oh, yeah. There are women in Texas that are going across the border to Mexico. Yeah, well, they were going to Oklahoma and then they're just choking off wherever. I'm not sure if this is intentional in the film, but it does a really excellent job just at showing just how many people were involved in this process. And I, I, we were talking about the Texas law, and I just kept talking about the Texas law because it wants to criminalize. You can go after anyone who aids or abets. And just there's so many different people in this film who technically count as aid and abet. You have somebody meet somebody. You need drivers. You, mm-hmm. need, you need an apartment. You need a, a roommate willing to be quiet or nice about it, which it sounds like, Eileen, you had some... <laughs> Some challenges with at various points, <laughs> but you just think of of all of the different people that are involved with this, and I just it really made me, it really made me look at the Texas law, which is so horrifying, but even just in a, a different way because of all of the people you could potentially go after if you right. if you yeah. wanted to make a quick. I mean, people could like make a cottage industry out of this, out of just suing abortion providers. It's such a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I mean. Um, it, you know, when you're mimicking a healthcare a healthcare system that's non-existent mm-hmm. for a group of, of people, um, it's, it involves a lot of um, support and smarts and organization and a lot of people, um, you know, the women's families had to be supportive in a certain mm-hmm. way. You know, they had to lend out their homes. Their their partners had to support and do what they could. You know, they had real some real male allies in, in this as well, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot. So that's that's the scary version of, you know, is, is being cognizant of that and how, how much it takes and then seeing these laws sort of fall into place mm-hmm. and realizing that everybody can be prosecuted. The other part of it is how um, deeply inspiring it, it is to, to see all these people that are willing to help mm-hmm. and that are willing to fill a void for our government and for our healthcare system because out of just basic human decency and wanting to save lives. You know, these women will never let us call them heroes (laughs) Um, for very good reason because they, you know, they don't want to be deemed heroes because they want the message to be very clear that we all have the option to, Mm -hmm. to, to do what's right and to do what's decent and to help each other. Um, But this was quite, this was quite an inspiring thing that they did um and you know amazing to work with this material and these interviews and in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of a healthcare crisis going in every day and listening to these interviews and um being reminded of their their willingness to to do this work yeah it's one of those movies that you watch and you're just like oh i love women (laughs) women are the best Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same, with the same fish picture? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection. Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit sea. They're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. 
Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes, conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you and the entire family covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week, and they serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it is economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. So for a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash feverdream. That's homechef.com slash feverdream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash feverdream. You must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. My closing question kind of for everybody where you you talk about some of, um, not your transition to abortion rights, but you just talk about how, your engagement in civil rights and everything and how there was sort of a an element of toxic masculinity to it at the time and different priorities. I personally have a lot of feelings about how the Democratic Party has and has not prioritized abortion access. I think that things could have been done or spoken about differently that could have prevented us from being in this moment. As you said, I mean, the other side has done a very clever strategic job, you know, lining up the court, but... Have you sort of watched, watched, you know, abortion rights, this debate kind of change over the years? I guess my, my question is, like, do you have a message for the Democratic Party or like, what do you think needs to happen? Have you been disappointed by the lack of like real wholehearted embrace by the party because you have I'm getting nods? Yeah, let's talk about it. I mean, I, I don't know if I expected much, but it was even less. Mm. And it's horrifying. And, and especially now that we're here, you know, absolutely disappointed, frustrated, pissed off. They can't get it together. I don't understand. You know, their idea is just, you know, and here's this other side just going straight forward with what they want and they're getting. I would just add, I mean, the vast majority of people in this country support the right of people to access abortion care. And the fact that that's not reflected in our state, you know, policymaking or, you know, the federal courts, the Supreme Court you know, Congress, the Congress can't pass this. I mean, it's really outrageous. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense um, that we're having these conversations all over again. And the Democrats, you know, need to do a better job to represent, you know, the, the people in their districts and their communities and their states. Yeah. Abortion is health care. People don't have access to health care, period. Plus, they don't have access to yeah. abortion. So the whole um, and absolutely everybody, I mean, the, you know, the day after the leak went out, um, you know, I started, I mean, I tried to make some phone calls, you know, senators, mm-hmm. congressmen, I, you know, it's like I'm sitting here, I'll do something. I donated some money here and there, you know, everybody mm-hmm. was outraged. I couldn't get through it all. They're like, our phones are swamped, can't even leave a message, don't even bother to send an email. And you're like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, there's a flower place in Chicago that, you know, I've used to send flowers and they like, you know, it's just before Mother's Day. They might, like, we are too busy making phone calls to our senators and congressmen, but please still <sighs> ours. <laughs> so I'm, wow. I mean, I thought it was so, and they listed who you should call. But in your area, that's awesome. I was like, wow, that is so cool that they did that, you know? Mm-hmm. So they were being mm-hmm. bumped with these calls and still, I, 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 I don't, I, it's like, yeah, I mean, I found it really interesting what you said, where, you know, abortion wasn't as um, like stigmatized. It was somebody was pregnant and wanted not to be. And it feels like 
we've seeded the cultural language like Joe Biden doesn't say abortion and, and right. people get in their head about whether we're that's um, incendiary to say the word. And it just feels like we never had to be in this place where it was incendiary to word. I mean, you say the word you're using it so freely and, you know, it seems like there have been some some definite mistakes that mm-hmm. helped get us here. And obviously there's a very clear people to blame. But I yeah, definitely some frustrations. Mm-hmm. But we can all do, you know, do mm-hmm. our part and in, in, de- in the destigmatizing aspect. Yeah. of it. You know, yeah. Um, I think Tia and I really want to one thing we would love for this film to do is to promote conversations for people to be talking about it um, and open about it and feeling safe to be open about it. Um, and also, you know, putting it into the zeitgeist, into the, onto the screen, having it reflect back to people, um, all the different versions of, of, of it, the, the, you know, the women that, that, it was a really hard decision for the women that it was a really easy decision mm-hmm. for, you know, it's time to be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was going to just say that I think it's already started to do that because just, okay, the movies this week in Chicago, it's going to be on HBO. So, you know, then you're talking to people that you don't know that well and Hey, I'm going to, I'm in this documentary and you know, if you want to see it mm-hmm. uh, and I mean, the stories just come out. You know, my really? illegal abortion, my mother, I, I, you know, you're like, you know, you've known these people for, mm-hmm. you know, not like close friends, but all of a sudden it's out there and people are talking. And that is really mm-hmm. important and really good. I guess you guys don't go about your lives just saying like, hi, I'm Eileen, I'm Diane. I used to help uh, with an underground abortion ring. So it's a good opportunity. The thing is that one in every four women... I- in their childbearing years will have had an abortion. And so it's a very, very common thing. And it's much safer than a colonoscopy done done right. I mean, it's much safer than a tonsillectomy. The World Health Organization says it's it's safer than getting a shot of penicillin. Um, So there's no reason why this should be stigmatized as, you know, in this day and age. And um, and so we want this film especially to to talk to young people or actually the entire population of, you know, between the ages of 13 of menstruating people between the ages of 13 and 50 who weren't around in the era before Mm -hmm. Roe and don't know what it looks like. Haven't heard of the septic abortion wards that were set up in every city that we show in the film where women who had self-induced or had, you know, botched abortions came to, to, to get care and sometimes to die. Um, who don't know about the, the, the struggles that, that, that low income disproportionately women of color had to get this mm-hmm. basic health care. So we're hoping, you know, that this engages particularly you know, young people, you know, who who have a big stake in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And just to close, Diane and Eileen, I'm wondering if you have, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to just ask you very broadly, which I'm sure everybody does. Do you just have a message for people in this moment? But maybe more particularly, do you have a message for men in this moment? <laughs> Support the women. Support the women in your life. Vote. Mm-hmm. Talk to politicians. Just be out there. And understand that this is a basic health care. That it's not this weird thing over to the side that maybe your girlfriend or your wife might have to deal with. That it is just basic health care. Like you can get a vasectomy or you can, you know, have a colonoscopy like nobody does. But, you know, 
that it's just basic, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, because, and and men benefit from this being available too. I mean, that is just like a fallacy to use a word. Um, (laughs) That that, that's, you know, that this is just a women's issue. You know, this is not just a women's issue. I mean, it is in that you should listen and, and, and be an ally Mm -hmm. and, let women lead but um but this is important for for everyone and and it's important to remember that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so step up yeah exactly (laughs) there you guys (laughs) in summary too long didn't read step up thank you so much for being so generous with your time and experiences our listeners definitely check out the film like i said it's like a marvel movie except i kept like waiting for like at the end of the credits like then it's like uh oh things are going to turn luckily you just can enjoy the victory of that moment and and just the seeing how you you all made it work is very inspirational for a lot of us a lot of people that are going to be in positions to also help out so thank you so so much really appreciate it thank you for thank you thank you take care the betches sub podcast is produced by amanda duberman jorge morales pico and sean kilby editing by jorge morales pico social media by amanda duberman be sure to follow at betches underscore sup on instagram twitter and tiktok and send us your emails to suppod at betches.com betches